Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Crystal. If you have a way of seeing God's Word, if you'll turn or look at Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1. Now, uh, we're so glad you chose to worship with us, and we're even more glad that you came at 5 o'clock. We would not have been able to put you in the group at 3.30. I thought this crowd would be larger, but, uh, but y'all reversed it on me. I didn't realize y'all do that. But anyway, we do thank y'all for being here this afternoon. Now, let me just say this. What you're seeing there uh, where the, uh, the, the sermon notes typically are is actually a devotional for you and your family tomorrow to do. We will not be here tomorrow. Uh, of course, uh, so we do have a devotional there for you to, to be uh, with your family, to do with your family, so we invite you to do that. All right, well, when you think about it, tomorrow the freeways will be empty, most places of business will be closed, the world will shut down, and focus on a single event. And the question is this, how can a baby born 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world bring the world to a stop. The reason is it wasn't an ordinary baby. What God was conspiring, what was God conspiring to do through this baby? Well, the Bible clearly tells us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent or he gave his only begotten son. There's many people who basically would look at that and they would basically come to a question like, so what? What's the big deal? What difference does it make that Jesus came into this world? Well, when you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we find out what the angel says about that. So look at verse 18 of Matthew 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now that right there tells us this is not an ordinary baby. There's never been a baby born like this. No ordinary baby. Verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And here it is right here. For he will save his people from their sins. That is the good news that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And when you look at the Christmas story, when you look at the birth of Jesus, there's so many different ways we can touch uh, the life of Jesus. We could talk about his birth. We could talk about when he was 12 years old and he was in the temple. We could fast forward to when he was about 30 years of age and his ministry began all the way to the cross and through the resurrection. Everywhere you touch the story, what you find is the purpose for which he came to save us from our sin. The question then becomes this, what's the big deal about the sin? Well, Romans 3.23 clearly tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The fact is, none of us are perfect. None of us measure up to the standard before God. But God found a solution to that, and it was Jesus whom he sent into this world. Now, when you think about it, we all have regrets in our past. We have to deal with guilt and shame that robs us from joy and peace. And there's yet one solution to it all. 
And that's what Jesus Christ did. He provided forgiveness for us. So the first thing that we see this, this afternoon is this. Jesus came to forgive our past and give us a new start. Now, when you think about the way God forgives, it's really supernatural. Matter of fact, when you think about the way you forgive or should forgive, it's supernatural. I want you to think about it. It's not in our nature to grant forgiveness because we've been offended. Something's been done unto us. And so it's natural for us not to grant normally forgiveness so easily. But I want you to think about the forgiveness of God. God who is holy, all our sin offends him greatly, and yet he still reached past his holiness into our sin and brought us into right standing with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. But what does his forgiveness look like? Well, first of all, it's instant. It's not a matter of sitting there thinking about it. It's not sitting there weighing the scales. All forgiveness comes by way of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes it possible. Secondly, it's undeserved. You will never earn his forgiveness. You can't do it. You can't work for it. You can't beg for it. You can't bribe God for it. It is a work done for you by way of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, forgiveness is complete. The Bible says when we confess our sins to God, we give our sin to Christ, then God says, this is what we read in Scripture, that our sins he will remember no more. The God who made the world, the whole world, chooses, think about this, to forget, to forgive our sins. What he's really talking about here is this, that when we come to know Jesus and the provision of his salvation, basically God is saying he no longer holds our sin against us. To me, that is the most remarkable thing in the universe, that something that Jesus did on our behalf, we are not held to that. Now, think about this. Jesus came not only to forgive our past, but to give us a new start. I don't know about you, but I, I like the fact that you can get a new start. You can get a fresh start. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she or that person is a new creation. Some translations say a new creature. Now, here's what I want you to understand about the terminology here. Because he's getting ready to say... All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, here's what God did in your life when you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He gave you a new beginning. But here's what you need to think about. He didn't remodel you. He made something new out of you. You were new. That's the, that's the words that we see in Scripture. When you go and break it down, the work he did was a brand new work. That's amazing when you think about it. So basically... Forgiven, meaning now we're the object of God, not forsaken, an object of wrath. And the Bible literally says, as a means of this, we're capable of being so much more. But how did he do it? You skip down in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it says this. For God made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin. I want you to think about it. He lived a perfect life. There was nothing about his life that was offensive to God. Nothing. But yet God said the payment of sin is a sacrifice. There is something that must come before there is a forgiveness of sin. And he places it all on Jesus who lived the perfect life. But it goes even further than that. 
It says, who knew no sin, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Think about that. The sin that was placed on him was nothing to do with him sinning. It was all our sin that was placed on him. And literally it says, why would he do that? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now what does that mean, the righteousness of God? It means that we would be acceptable to God or made right before God. Now, when you look at the birth of Jesus Christ, it starts right there. He wasn't an ordinary baby. He was Holy Spirit born. He was born of a virgin. There's no way he could accomplish what he accomplished apart from the fact that God was truly his father. And we see everywhere you touch his life, there is supernatural event after supernatural event that unfolds that literally makes it possible for us to have our past forgiven and given a new start. Now, the reason we celebrate Christmas is not just that Jesus took care of our past and gives us a new start, but he also takes care of our present. Jesus was sent that we might live in the present in peace. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people out there looking for peace in their life. They really are. And here's what I think it is. I think because we're looking around the world right now, I can't ever remember more of a time of uncertainty than the days we live in right now. Everything's so uncertain. Everything's just kind of sitting up in the air. It's like, where's all this going to land? How's this going to shake out? And for many, it causes fear. And we see that sometimes driven by media and all these different things. But Jesus came to bring peace to our day-to-day -to -day lives that we learn to trust him in it. But listen, Paul talks about the peace that he's capable of bringing to us is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's literally what the type of peace that he gives us that supersedes anything else that we're dealing with in the world. God brings that peace, and it comes through Jesus Christ who came at Christmas 2,000 years ago. Matter of fact, the prophet 600 years early before Jesus shows up said these words, Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. That word sign in Scripture is very important. It's mentioned in the Old Testament, and it's mentioned in the New Testament. The word sign literally means this, to demonstrate that something is coming that is not from this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I love it when God injects into this world something that's not of this world. That is our hope. That is everything. So when Jesus came into this world, when the Messiah came, predicted 600 years previously, what was happening was something outside of this world was injected in this world that he may bring hope and peace. You go a little further in Isaiah. Here's some more prophecy about him. For unto us a child is born unto as, as a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Because Jesus came, our present worries and fears can be replaced with a peace that surpasses all our understanding. Next, Jesus was not only sent to deal with our past and our present, but also to fulfill a promise for our future. Hebrews chapter 2, it reads like this. Jesus became like us to set us free, those who were slaves all their lives, because of their fear 
of death. I want you to think about this. The fear of death is a universal problem for many. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated or not, whatever your race is, we're all going to face the certainty of death one day. Now, how many of you came here this, this evening to be encouraged? Does that not start in a wonderful place, right? But we are. Now, I want you to think about this. Apart from Jesus coming back, we are all going to face the same thing one day. One day, we're going to pass from this world. Over the last 10 days, I, I, I've, I've done three funerals. And I'm just going to tell you, there's definitely something different about a loved one, uh, someone who, who's been a follower of Jesus all their life, who comes to that moment in their life when they're getting ready to make that next step. Those people have a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's amazing to me. Two of the three, one of them I didn't get to talk to, but two of the three basically told me, said, they said, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to leave this world. And you see, the only way they were able to say that with such great confidence, with great peace, is because of what Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. The Bible says it's appointed unto us once to die. But God does not want us to fear death. For we as followers of Jesus, our death is literally a home going or a step into heaven. And basically, Jesus came to guarantee a promise that our future could be in heaven. But I want you to think of this. At Christmas, the most used word you hear is gift, isn't it? The most, I mean, you hear it everywhere. We got to find the right gift. We hope we receive the right gift. We hope we give the right gift. I mean, it's all about gifting. And by the way, the way you responded to our giving campaign for foreign missions is blowing my mind. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's, that's some awesome stuff. But we do. We focus, focus so much of that time. But listen, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he gives us, really, when you think about it, three gifts. And we've talked about it. Number one, he gives us the gift of forgiveness. It takes care of our past. The gift of peace, it takes care of our present. But not only that, the gift of eternal life. Romans chapter 6 says this, the gift of God is eternal life, and here it is again, through Jesus Christ our Lord. He takes care of our future. I want to give you some, a verse here that means a lot to a lot of people. But it really meant a lot to the people that were gathered around Jesus as he was telling how his life would play out. He's there with his disciples. And he's basically telling them about his upcoming death. And, and, and it's, it must be one of the moments where Jesus is sensitive to what they must be feeling because he assures them with these words in John chapter 14. And I'm reading from a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, There is plenty of room for you in my Father's house. If that weren't so... Would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room or a mansion ready for you? And if I come on my way, and if I'm on my way back to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live forever. You see, he brings the gift of eternal life. So the story of Jesus from his birth is a life-altering story that reveals our need for a Savior and a future promise of eternal life with him. And it all began with what we're celebrating this weekend. So the application this morning is this. This morning, this evening, 
Have you received God's Christmas gift of Jesus? Do you know him? Have you received the forgiveness to take care of your past? The present with the peace that he can bring to our lives and the future of eternal life? I I just, I I think so many times people come together at this time of year and they celebrate something called Christmas. And year after year they celebrate. They give gifts, they receive gifts, they come together with their families. Some of them will go as far as reading the Luke 2, chapter 2 passage, and they come together. But many times, those same people that can live a lifetime of those memories and still never receive the free gift of salvation that comes by way of Christmas. And the thing I want to ask you this afternoon or this evening, whatever it is right now, is I want to ask you, have you ever received the free gift? God gave his son that we could have eternal life. I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I, I don't know who you are, where you are this, this afternoon uh, with your walk with God or where your journey has taken you. But, but here's what I want to ask you. If you would like to receive God's gift of eternal life, I want to ask you to pray after me this simple prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Pray, pray with me this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to receive your gifts of a forgiven past and a future guarantee of eternal life. Today, I'm making a commitment to turn from my sins and turn to your son, Jesus, believing that he came to die for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll continue with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I I don't know if this is something that you prayed, but if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and you prayed this prayer, what I want to do is I want to invite you to see me before you leave this room this afternoon. I'll be right over here under the baptistry. And as, as, as soon as we get ready to start taking communion, I'll be here. And, and I'd love to pray with you and talk you further through the decision that you've made here this afternoon to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole life. And I just want to celebrate with you if you've done that here this afternoon. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you now and we thank you for our time together here as we celebrate the coming of Jesus. Father, we know that we don't know the exact date, but we know somewhere a long time ago we decided to make it December 25th. And Father, as we celebrate that day, it's really not about the day. It's not about any of that. More so than it is the fact that you love the world so much that you sent your son. You gave your son. And Father, really and truly, that's what we're celebrating. That Jesus is our only hope for eternal life. That he is our only hope to to make, make us acceptable before you. And Father, I just pray, Lord, if someone here this, this afternoon has prayed to receive you in their heart, that they would make that public tonight. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Funny the things we remember at Christmas. Um, I can remember, and you probably can remember the year you got the, the special gift, like the gift that topped all the other gifts, you know. You remember that special Christmas? I remember mine. Or the year that your dad lost it putting the Christmas lights up. Y'all ever had one of those moments? 
Uh, I've had one as a dad, and I've experienced one as a son. Uh, not trying to call them out. Um, but you, we remember Christmases like that, right? You might remember the first Christmas you had a newborn baby in your house. Like, it's crazy. Our church is going through all kinds of growth, and there's so many newborns around right now. And maybe you're remembering this Christmas because it's the first Christmas with that baby in your house. Or maybe, maybe it's a more retrospective Christmas. Maybe this last year, you've lost someone special to you, someone close. It could be a spouse or a parent or a grandparent. And you're remembering now all of those Christmases past that you got to spend with them. It's, it's weird how memories are for us at Christmas. That when we think about it, Christmas is a time to remember. And what we're about to do right now is really the greatest remembrance we can give. The greatest honor, the greatest thing we can remember is when the goodness of God came running into our lives, when the Prince of Peace entered into the story. But it's not just celebrating baby Jesus. It's not just celebrating what happened in the manger. Sure, it began in a dirty manger, but it continued, right? It continued to a wooden cross and ended in an empty grave. And you see, this is the power of Christmas this year and every year. The power of Christmas is not just Jesus' birth. It's also Jesus' death and Jesus' ultimate victory over death that we get to celebrate and that we get to remember. You know, this Christmas, we're going to, at some point, you're going to probably hear Luke chapter 2. In fact, it's in your devotional for tomorrow morning with your family. Luke chapter 2. It's the Christmas story. But what I want to read tonight is 20 chapters later in Luke chapter 22. 20 chapters later, 33 years later, and Jesus isn't, it's not the night Jesus was born. It's the night before Jesus' death. And Jesus says this in Luke 22. says, And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is how Jesus wants us to remember him this Christmas. And I can't think as many great memories as we have, as many fond memories as we have, the greatest thing that we can remember this Christmas, the greatest memory, the greatest honor we can give to anyone this Christmas is what we're about to do right here. Communion, the Lord's Supper. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus talks about this here in Luke 22, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 11, that, that communion is a very serious thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man or a woman ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. 
what this is talking about for us is, is two things I want us to really keep in mind as we think about the table tonight. The first thing is this. Communion is for believers in Christ. If you're here tonight and, and, and that's not you, who you are, that's not where you're at, maybe you came with a friend or a family member and you're still trying to think through this or figure this thing out, I just want to tell you, thank you for being here tonight. It's, it, it's awesome to have you here as a guest and we want to invite you to participate in everything except this. That your greatest need in this room tonight is to follow Jesus and to know him. And just like our pastor said, at, at, during this time, the best thing for you to do is to go see our senior pastor and let him share with you how you can follow Jesus tonight. That's your greatest need. So communion is for believers. But secondly, when we read this, we realize that communion is not only just for believers, it's for believers who are in right standing with God. And maybe you're a follower of Jesus and your fellowship with Christ has veered off the track. Tonight, you can have an opportunity to come back to Him, to reunite, to re-establish fellowship with Him. And that we ask that you would do that tonight before taking communion. So tonight, we're going to give you an opportunity to remember the sacrifice. And it's a little different tonight. We don't have the cups there with you in your seat. Instead, the first thing you're going to do is take a moment to do this very thing, to spend time in prayer with God. If, you, if your family's here, this is a great opportunity, parents, to kind of huddle in with your family and pray as a family. And then after you've had that opportunity, we're going to invite you to the table. There's these juices at every spot. There's many of them up here. There's some on the back there as well. There's two on the sides over here. We have plenty of opportunities for you to come. And you're just going to come up to the table, and you're going to reach in, and you're going to grab one of these wafers here, and then you're going to dip it in the juice and consume it that way. That's how we're going to observe communion this week. And we want to invite you to do that here in just a minute, but, but know this, like the spirit of this is not supposed to feel like a ride at Disneyland, right? Like it's not so you can line up and wait your turn. Just, just wait for a, a, a spot to open. But we want to invite you and your family to come up and do that together, and once you've done that, you can go back to your seat. But we just want to take a few moments here to remember the sacrifice of our Lord.